All right, we'll say good morning, good morning. Everyone, let us begin. Begin by thanking all of our sponsors, to thank our Tamil Torah sponsors for the month of Kislev, to thank Josh and Becca Friedman for dedicating all the Shirman's Rushals this month, Le'ilui Nishmas, Josh's father, Yisrael Yehuda Benarad Chaim Rafael Zichon Lebracha, to thank Sammy and Malka Esterson for dedic- dedicating all the Shirman's Rushals this month in memory of their parents, Yitzchak Leibet Ben Aaron Akoin, Sarah Rachel Bas Baruch Avram, and Hinda Bas Henech Ephraim, whose yard site is today. And of course, in the continued merit and kinsuchos of Mr. Morton Esther Siddhar, Meve Esim Shanim Tovos. To thank the Pepper Mishpacha for dedicating the Shurman Joshua's this month, the creation of the yard site of Yosef Pepper, Shmuel's brother, Yosef David Zichron Levracha Ben Yaakov. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, all of the Neshamos Lahavim Aliyah and the family Zainachama. Both with that, let us begin. We have a lot to do today. Beautiful, beautiful daf ahead of us today. Today's daf is Nun Vav 56. And we are picking up in Meretz Hashem on, oh yeah, Nun Vav. We are picking up on Nun He Amadez 55b. We actually left off right in the middle of the Mishnah. So we left off uh, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14. 15 lines up from the bottom. So remember again, just to orient ourselves a little bit. So the Mishnah, once again, is talking about a person who makes a nether. And as has been our topic throughout the last number of sugyas, we're focusing here on how we define the particular lotion that is used by an individual. So in this particular Mishnah, we're speaking about the idea that a person made a nether, not to benefit from clothing, from ksus. So we were discussing what's included in ksus, what's excluded from ksus, so now Rabbi Huda comes along and says as follows. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, Hakola fi hanoder. So we'll say, this is actually quite interesting. Rabbi Huda says, when it comes to defining the nature and the scope of a neder, not only do we look at the definition of the particular words being used, but we also look at the circumstances of the person making the neder. So we'll say, this is really very interesting. So remember, up until now, what we've been looking at is you make a neder, you employ certain wording, certain verbiage. So then we look, okay, how is that verbiage normally used? And Yehuda says, we also look at the actual physical circumstances of the individual to interpret his particular nether. So for example, listen to this. Ta'an, vizya. Let's say a person was carrying wool. Ta'an means carrying. A person was carrying wool. Vizya, he was sweating. Fayarecho kasha. And as a result of all of his sweating, he had terrible body odor. And he says, Amar konam semer ufishtin alai. Ola alai. And he says, Konam, I make a neder, that wool and linen should not come upon me. Should not go on. Should, should not come upon me. So what's talacho? Mutra lehiskasos va'asra lahavshilachorov. He is permitted to wear clothing of wool and linen, obviously not wool and linen together, that's shatness, but clothing of wool or clothing of linen, but he is not permitted to carry a bundle of wool or linen behind him. They will say, what's the pshat over here? Since he's making this nether at a time that he's schlepping wool and linen, and obviously it's not going well, we've all had days like that, a lot of schwitzing, a lot of body odor, right? So what happens when he makes the nether we interpret the neder in the context of his present circumstances. So we understand the neder, therefore, to be about carrying wool or linen, not about wearing wool or linen. Good. So Tanya, I say, standing march, just elaborates on this. So the says, Hanodim in a person makes a neder 
not to wear ksus, again, not to wear clothing. So muter besak ubiyeria ubichamila. So we'll say so again. It's really a, the, the Bryce is just elaborating on the Mishnah. So he's allowed to wear this sack, sackcloth. Yeria and chamila are almost like these thick curtain-like materials. Vaser bepunda ubepsakya ubesakurtia ubekabat ubekatablia vaanpila. Okay, so, we'll say, so what, what, what are all of these things? So let, let's, let's define some of our terms over here. So first of all, if you take a look at the Ran, so the Ran says three, six, seven lines up from the bottom. Punda is azur halo, is a halo belt. That's a punda. Sakartia katablia, the Ran says, kulam mine mabushim shal ar. These are all different types of garments that are made of leather. Okay, the mefarish. So again, so let's so let's so let's now the Gemara is going to define them. My is korti. What's his korti? kituna ditsala. It's a leather shirt. A leather shirt. Tanya yotzin besak ava ubesagus ava ubiyiria ubichamila. So let's say so now we're we're switching gears in just a moment. So up until now, this has been a discussion about nedarim and trying to figure out what's included in the lashon. Of Ksus was not a Lashon of Ksus. Now, the Gemara is bringing a Brisa from Mesech Shabbos. Now, this Brisa is talking about what you're allowed to go out with on Shabbos, which you're not allowed to go out with on Shabbos. So, remember from our Shabbos days, in general, when it comes to items that go on your body, anything that is classified as a garment, you're allowed to wear. You're allowed to wear. Anything that's not classified as a garment, generally, you're not allowed to wear. The concern being what? The concern being that ultimately you may take it off and come to carry it. So the Gemara says, Tanya, Yotzin basak ava, obesagus ava, obiria obichamila mipne hagishanim. You are allowed to go ahead and wear, literally again, a thick sackcloth, or this sagus ava, sagus, yiria, chamila, are all again thicker material, often not used as garments per se but usually used against some type of curtain material. So you're allowed to go ahead and wear these things out on Shabbos to protect you against the rain. Against the rain. But you can't go out again holding, let's say, a teva. Teva is a container. A chest. Kupa is a box. Machatzelas is a reed mat. You can't go ahead and put any of these things over you to protect you from the rain. Mostly take a look, take a look for just a moment at the run. So the run is five lines up from the bottom. First word on the line is Ava. So it's Yotzim Besak Ava Beshabbos Halomina Masoyu. So we'll say in all these cases, you're allowed to go ahead and wear these items out on Shabbos. And we do not say that it is a Masa, that it is something that's a burden that you're carrying. Masoyu. Velo Sak Mamish Elokein Sak. Fine. So back to the Gimara. Ava Lo Betei Velo Haroim yotzim misakim below. So the shepherds can go out wearing sackcloth on Shabbos. So the Gemara says, uh, "Good below Roim Belva, Not only shepherds, the truth is, anyone can actually go out wearing a sackcloth because of the rain. But rather, so why did the Mishnah? So why did the Gemara mention Roim shepherds? Because again, it was common for shepherds to wear sackcloth to protect them from the elements. Good. Rabbi Huda Omer Akolofiano, there is also Rabbi Huda introduced this very new and novel concept that not only do we interpret the Darim ultimately by, by word choices, 
but we also interpret Nidarim based on circumstances. We look at a person's circumstances. So says the Gemara, Tanya, Mark quotes of Raisa, in what situation did Rabbi Huda say that we interpret a person's neder based on their circumstances? So for example, let's say a person was wearing wool, right? And it was, hatsa means tsar. And ultimately, again, it became very uncomfortable for him. And he made a neder. Konam, right, semer, right, wool should not come upon me. So what's talacha? Asr lilbosh umutr litom. He's prohibited to wear wool clothing, but he is permitted to what? Carry wool on his back. I will say, because again, what we do is we look at the nether. In this particular case, Rabbi Huda is looking at the nether as a statement reflecting the discomfort of his current circumstances. So currently he's wearing wool clothing and he's making the nether. I'm going to make a nether not to, not to have any wool on me. We look at that as a nether against wool clothing, but not a nether against carrying wool on his back. Conversely, hayatown pishtan. Let's say he was carrying wool on his back. And then what happened? Vizia, he was sweating. Va'amar, konam pishtan ola alai. And he says again, konam, I make a nether. That pishtan should not come upon me. So He's permitted to wear wool clothing, but he's not permitted to go ahead and carry wool on his back. So again, I will say, Rabbi Huda introducing this really fascinating, and this is by the way, the Ramah Paskins, the Ramah Paskins, that is circumstances like this, where it's clear that it's not just the word choices, but it's the circumstances that are generating or that are propelling him towards making this nadar. We do look at his current circumstances as a way of, as a way of defining the nature and scope of his nether. Really interesting. Good. We'll say top of Nunvav, top of 56, the Mishnah. Very interesting case. A person makes a nether not to go ahead and get benefit from the home. That's the nether that he's making. I make a nether that I'm not going to get benefit from the home. What's that? Mutter ba'aliyah. He is permitted to go ahead and get benefit from the aliyah, from the upper story. Upper story. Okay, I will say, now it's Dear Rabbi Meir. These words are Rabbi Meir. So what Rabbi Meir is saying is like this. Remember, same principle. When it comes to Nedarim, we look at the way people speak. Rabbi Meir says, when people speak about a bias, what are they referring to? First floor of the domicile. What are they not referring to? They're not referring to, ultimately, again, the second floor, the Aliyah. The second floor. Fine. Says Rabbi Meir. Come to come say, no, no, no. Aliyah bichlal habayis. Not true. Not true. The second floor, ultimately, again, is included in the home. It's all included in the home. When you say bias, bias colloquially refers to the entire structure. So fundamental machlokas. Hanal jamin aliyah. Conversely, I will say, everyone agrees that if you make a nether not to get benefit from the aliyah, from the upper story, mutter babayis. In that case, you are permitted to get benefit from the home. Because I will say, remember again, Bias, the Chama will say, let's go over the Chama for just a moment. Chama will agree that bias includes Aliyah, right? But Aliyah doesn't necessarily, or Aliyah doesn't include bias. Right? Remember, bias, because it's a general term, will, according to the Chama, will include all parts of the structure. Aliyah, which is incredibly specific, right? Aliyah means second story. Aliyah only includes Aliyah, doesn't include bias. Good. Let's see the Gemara. Says the Gemara, Mantana. So let's take a step back here. Now we're transitioning a little bit to talk about a different topic, which is Tzaras Babatim. There's a concept we know again, 
that saras, right? What we'll translate as leprosy, but it's not really leprosy. Saras not only impacts the individual, their body and their clothing, but there's a concept called saras habatim, leprosy of the home as well. Also, I just point out, interestingly enough, as much as, as much as we understand that saras in general is a physical sign of a spiritual ailment, right? as Rashi points out again in, in Parshas Mitzorah or Parshas Tazriya, already that often, according to Gemara, that saras was, a, was, was often considered to be a punishment of Lashon Hara, Rashi points out that saras habatim was actually always often perceived as a bracha. Why? Because Rashi points out that the, when Kalisar was coming to conquer Eretz Yisrael, first under Moshe, then under Yoshua, so the indigenous nations, they hid their wealth in the walls of the home. So ultimately, again, the Jewish occupants of the home would never realize that there was buried treasure. So what would happen? There would come Saras. Saras often requires, again, removal of certain parts of the house, especially the ones that had the, the blemishes. And they would discover the treasures that are buried that were buried inside of, of the wall. So an incredible, an incredible idea, and obviously an incredible Moshe Haskell as well. How sometimes the things that look so terrible and detrimental in life, right? Can you imagine? You get saras abatim. It's not so posh. It. You often have to move out, right? You have to take down some walls, take down some things. How often the things that look terrible and that look like they are destructive often pave the way for such incredible, beautiful life treasure. Incredible metaphor. So the Gemara said, well, not just a metaphor, incredible halacha. So in any event, that's what's happening over here. So the Pasik that the Gemara is focusing on over here is like this. Let me read to the Pasik. Kisavo el Aretz, sorry. Kisavo el Aretz Kinan, Ashranino Sein Lochem Lachuza. When you will come to Kinan, that I'm giving you as an inheritance, then Asati Nega Saraas Bebeis Aretz Achuzaschem. I will give you a Nega Saraas, like a Saraas lesion, a Saraas, yeah, Saraas Nega. In the house, the base erzachuzaschem, in the house of the land which you have inherited. So now watch this. So the Gemara says, "What does beveis? Right? What does beveis ultimately teach me?" The Rabbah says, "Hayitzia." So I say, "Listen to this. Yitzia literally means like like a terrace, like a terrace, right? A, a gazebo, a veranda. Let's say a person has a structure that extends outside of their house. So Babayis comes to teach me." that the concept of tsaras in the home applies even to a structure that's outside of my home, that's attached to my home. Interesting halacha, right? Furthermore, here's the part we're focusing on. Bebeis, l'rabos es ha'aliyah. Oh, so we'll say, what does bebeis come to include? Also the upper story. Now we'll say, now, what do you, what do you see from here? What do you see from here? You see that bias includes upper story. So the Gemara says, well, whose opinion is this? Now let's go back to the Mishnah. Remember again, in the Mishnah we had, a person makes a neder not to get Hanah from the bias. We had the Machlokis about what? Whether or not does bias include Aliyah, not include Aliyah. So whose opinion is reflected in this b'risa by Saras? So the Gemara says, Amrav Chista, Rabbi Meir, it's Rabbi Meir. It's Rabbi Meir. So it's like Rabbi Meir is of the opinion that in general, when you speak about bias, when you speak about bias, Ultimately, it doesn't include Aliyah. Now, I said, let's just understand what's happening over here. The Gemara is making a drasha. The dr- Remember, what's the point of a drasha? The point of a drasha is to include something that you would not have otherwise thought to include based on the Pasha Pshata, the Pasik. So the Torah speaks about Saras Babatim. Babatim. So now the Gemara is darshaning, Bebeis or Bebeis comes to also include an Aliyah. So I say, who is the one who says you need an additional drasha? to include an aliyah, it's Rabbi Meir. Because remember again, according to the Chachamim, 
Aliyah is always included in bias. You don't need a drusha to teach me that Aliyah is included. I don't need the rabos es Aliyah. I was about to say, what's interesting about this price is, the price is using the bias to include an external structure, like a Yitzia, and also an Aliyah, which indicates, just like I will say, I don't automatically assume that the Yitzia is part of the home. I wouldn't automatically assume that the Aliyah is part of the home. Who is the opinion who says that a second story isn't quote-unquote included in what we call the te- typical definition of a bias? That's Rabbi Meir. That's Rabbi Meir. Di'i Rabbanon, because it's going to the Rabbanon, ham Rabbanon, aliyah bechlala bias. Because going to the Rabbanon, an aliyah, an upper story, by definition is included in the bias, lama li bias, or the bebeis, l'ribuya. So as a to the I don't need a drasha, I don't need a drasha, Bait Saras to include an upper story. I, I, don't, I don't need that. I, I don't need that. Because it's understood ultimately, again, that an upper story is included in bias. Only according to every mayor do I need the extra drasha. So Abayah Rabbi says, no, not necessarily. It could be that by the case of Saras, the drasha is necessary even according to the Rabbanon. Why? Why? I would have thought like this was very interesting. The Torah, when speaking about the when speaking about Saras on the home, calls it the base Eretz Achuzaschem. In the home that's on the land of your inheritance. I would have thought, I'm sorry, um, I skipped. So I say, interestingly enough, I would have thought, Maybe by Saras, the Torah used Lashon of base Eretz Achuz Aschem. Which bias, which home, is ultimately subject to the din of Saras? Which home? Only the home that is Mechuber La'aretz. Only the part of the home that's directly connected to the ground. What's the part of the home directly connected to the ground? The first story. But maybe the second story, the Aliyah, is not subject to the Halachos of Saras Babatim, because it's not directly connected to the ground. Therefore, again, the Gemara says, even according to the Rabbanon, this structure may be necessary. Good. So we'll say, ultimately, again, whose opinion is reflected in the following statement? Listen to this. So we'll say, so again, let just, just to follow the chain of, uh, of events over here, the Mishnah started with a nether. Nether is the guy saying, konam bayis alai. Right? Ultimately, again, I'm not going to get benefit from the home. What are we trying to figure out? We're trying to figure out What's included in the nether? Rabbi Meir, first floor only, not second floor. Rabbanon, no. Bias means everything. First floor and second floor. We then bring a case from Saras. And in the case of Saras, ultimately again, Torah tells me, Beveis comes to include. I need a drasha to include second story. Whose opinion is that? I, that's Rabbi Meir, who holds that Aliyah is not included in bias, which is not necessarily can even be according to the Rabbanon, since the Torah uses such a strong relation of the base Eretz Achuz Aschem, maybe I would have thought only the part of the home that's attached to the ground, but the upper story is not included in Sarah Sabatim. Kamash Malon, the base, even the upper story is included. Good. Now we'll say we're transitioning to another case. Very exciting. A lot of home cases today. So we start with home by Saras. We go afterwards to, sorry, we start by home by Nadarim. We then go to home by Saras. Now we go to home in Choshen Mishpat. In the laws of, of real estate sales, watch this. This is an interesting case. Listen to this, what I'm Let's say I go over to Ruben. I say, Ruben, I'm selling you a home in my home. 
That's that's the lotion of the sale. A home in my home, I'm selling to you. So I say, so now what's that lacha? Mare hu aliyah. Mare hu aliyah. Listen to this. I can go ahead and after the fact, claim to Ruvain, I only sold you the upper story of my home. Bayis ve bayis. Oh, say that's the lashon. And apparently, what's the lashon? What's the word in these? Ruvain bought it to a sight unseen. Sight unseen, right? So I sell him bayis ve bayis. He thinks he's getting a good deal. He thought he was buying something else. I tell him, no, no, no. I sold you the upper story of my home. Upper story. Now, the reason that works is because I use Lashon of Bayes Bevesi, a home in my home. In other words, they will say, what is that Lashon? What's the connotation of that Lashon? Not my primary home. Not my primary home. So again, Bayes Bevesi, the Lord says, Aval, Aval, Bayes, Stam, Enomar, Ehualiyah. But if I just say I'm selling you my home, Stam, right? Just unqualified home, then I will say, what? I can't claim to Ruvain that I sold in the upper story. What do you see from here? What do you see from here? That Aliyah is not included in bias. Right? That's what you see from here. In other words, the reason I can claim Ruben, I sold you my Aliyah is because I used the notion of bias be bias. Right? The home in the home. I had I just said bias, I could not claim that I was telling him the upper story. Whose opinion is this? Lema Rabbi Meirhi. We'll say once again, this seems to reflect the view of Rabbi Meir, that an aliyah, an upper story, is not included in the stam definition of a bias. Bless you. To which the Gemara says, not a my aliyah. Perhaps what does aliyah mean? Mu'ula shebebatim. So we'll say it's quite possible that according to the Rabbanon, this could be true as well, because perhaps what does aliyah mean? Aliyah, we'll say, maybe doesn't mean second story. In other words, when he says bias, when he says bias, bias remember again, what are the rights to say? I say to him, I'm selling you bias, shebebayas, I'm selling you the home in the home. So the Gemara said, I can even claim to Ruben that I'm showing him the Aliyah. So we assume that Aliyah means upper story, in which case this Brisa is a support for the position of Rabbi Meir, that in general an upper story is not included, an upper story is not included in the bias. To which the Gemara says, maybe not. It could very well be that even Halach Ramayi said this reflects the view of Drabanon. I and what's bias? I'm sorry, what's Aliyah? Maybe the Mu'ullah. The best of the homes, which is interesting. So when I say to Ruvain, I'm selling you the bias shebebayis. Perhaps, what I'm selling him is what? The best of my homes. If there are multiple homes in my personal portfolio, I'm when I sell him a bias shebebayis, what I'm actually agreeing to is selling him the nicest or the best of all of the homes which I own. If you look at Rashi for just a moment, Rashi is like pretty much like halfway down in the short lines. Mu'ula sheben chasav, habayis hamishubach shebebeisav, sarich litein lo hecha dekomer bayis shebebeisi. Good. So we'll say, so therefore again, haloch lamay said that last case is not a raya for Rabbi Meir or the Rabbanon. Good. So therefore we'll say what we emerge from here is that haloch lamay saw, haloch lamay saw, we pass like the Chachamim, that in general if a person makes a neder, not to get benefit from the bias and aliyah, an upper story is included in the bias. We do not pass like Rabbi Meir, we pass like Dacham. Beautiful. But well, as it says the Mishnah, another interesting case. Hanodim in Amita. Interesting case. A person makes a nether not to get benefit from a bed. So what's Talacha? Mudr Bidargosh. He's allowed to get benefit from a Dargosh. Now, what's a Dargosh? That Amir Sashem will have to see. It's permitted to get benefit from Dargosh. These are the words of Rabbi Meir. However, the Gemara says, the Chum the Chum say, Dargosh Bechlam Mita. No, no, Dargosh is included in a bed. 
Targush, right? Targush is included in a bed, and therefore, again, if you make a nether not to get benefit from the bed, you also can't get benefit from the Dargosh. So the Gemara says, Hanoder. Uh, good. Hanoder mina Dargosh, Mutabamita. We always say, but here's the, but the opposite is true. In other words, everyone agrees the opposite. If you make a nether from a Dargosh, ultimately, again, you can't, you can't, excuse me, get benefit from a bed. So we'll say, you begin to see a theme over here. There's a machlokes, there's an angry machlokes, Rabbi Meir and the Rabbanon, about whether or not certain general terms also include more specific items, right? So remember again, we started before. A person makes an answer from a bias, from a bias. The Chum say bias includes everything, right? Bias and Aldir. And Meir says, no, no, no. Bias only includes first floor, not second floor. A person makes a nether not to get benefit from a bed, right? right? So Rabbi Meir says, Right, mut, mut. so Rabbi Meir says, bed doesn't include dargosh. Something more specific. Come say no, bed includes everything in the bed family. Fine, so that's not focus. But the reverse everyone agrees with, which means if you make an edger on the specific item, so in other words, their focus is you make a specific, uh, you make an edger on a general term. Does the general term include all of these specific items? Does bayis include aliyah? Does mita include dargosh? That's my focus. But they agree on the reverse, which is, if you make an answer on the specific item, namely what? Namely what? It does not include the general item. So if you make an answer not to get benefit from an aliyah, everyone agrees it doesn't include the first floor, bias. You make an answer not to get benefit from a dargosh, whatever that is, right? Everyone agrees that you can get benefits from the mita. Good. So what says, let's say, my dargosh, by the way, with the dargosh. What's the Dargush? Amr Ula, this is very interesting. Arsa de Gada. Okay, that's helpful, right? So, what's, so what, what's Arsa de Gada? Take a look at Rashi. This is actually quite interesting. So, Rashi says, Arsa de Gada. Uh, Rashi is actually right across from the Mishnah. Arsa de Gada, Mita, Sha'archan Osalamazel, Ve'in Shum Adam Yashin Allah. So, what's say This was a bed. This was a bed that ultimately, again, was set up. For mazel, for mazel, for good luck. I'm going to go out, we'll say. So the Rosh actually points us to a Gemara in Mesecha Shabbos. It's interesting, he calls Shabbos and Pesachim. So we'll say, see here, the Gemara discusses like this. People would often set up, set up a bed that was supposed to represent the bed for your, your, your malach who watches over you, right? There constantly, we have this concept of Mimini Michal, Mismoli Gavriel, right? The malachim who ultimately follow us throughout the entire day. This is actually talking about the Gemara Second Shabbos says that when a person comes home from shul on Friday night, there are two malachi asharis, two angels that accompany him into his home, and they want to see what the home is like on Shabbos. So the Gemara says this arsa begata, this was a special bed that you would set up for your for your for your watchful malachim, right? For your minister, your ministering angels. This bed would not be used. It would not be used. It was set up. It was more like a ceremonial bed, and it was there in the house. Arsa de Gado. There's a lot more to talk about. There's a whole discussion about, doesn't sound very Jewish, right? To go and start setting up beds for malachim, and we don't use it. So we'll say it's fascinating. So the rush points out over here on this sogya that, let's, and it's actually very, very appropriate, it's actually a 
Parashim of Bris and Shul today, Bris and Shul a little bit later on, and we know that one of the interesting things that we do, Baruch Hashem and the Bris, is a Kisei She'el So the Rush points out to over here, the concept of Kisei She'el ultimately comes from this Arsa de Gada. Right? So this concept of setting up, setting up, okay, we do a chair, they did a bed, right? And remember again, it's not so far off, because we also remember again, didn't necessarily sit on chairs, they reclined. Right, they reclined. So a bed also would be something that, that a person would normally sit on. So this is the Arsa de Gada. Good. So the Gemara says, Hadisna. So we'll say, so now, so here's what's interesting. So now, so now the Mahogis makes a bit more sense, actually. So remember what's happening over here. Person makes a nether not to get benefit from a bed. So the Shaila is, so, so the Chachamim will say, that bed includes everything, even the Dargosh. So Ula says, no, doesn't include the Dargosh. Bed really only includes things that you normally use. Dargosh, was not commonly used. So the Gemara says like this, so, so here's the problem with this interpretation. But that which we learned, so we'll say now the Gemara is quoting over here from Mesechas Berachas. So So the Gemara says, So we'll say, so remember again, this is the Halacha Ba'avelos. So, so someone is sitting Shiva. So remember again, Mevarin refers to the Sudas Havra. When the, when the other would come back from the cemetery after burial, so the community provides their first meal. So, so everyone is sitting on the ground. And he sits on the dargosh. Fascinating. So we'll say, so according to, according to this Mishnah here, the other sits on the dargosh during his sudas havra, right during his meal of consolation. So here's the problem. If you say that Dargosh is this bed that was set up for the Malach, Kula does it make sense? A whole year, you're not sitting on the Dargosh. And now during Shiva, he sits on the Dargosh? It just, it just seems so strange. And Shiva, you're not even sitting on a regular chair. So now the whole year, I'm not sitting on Dargosh. Now during Shiva, he's going to sit on Dargosh. To which the Gemara says, yeah. Maskif la Ravina, so Ravina said, yes, I'll tell you why. Midi dahava It's no different than meat and wine. How so? How so? The kula shasa e by achil e by lo achil. You're about to say throughout an entire year, if you want to eat, if you want to eat and drink meat and wine, you can eat and drink meat and wine. But if you don't want, to, you don't have to. Hahu yama ananya vinale. You're about to say for the suda savra, we would dafka give the other meat and wine. Now, what was the logic of giving them meat and wine? The idea was to, to lift them up. Also, we spoke about this many times. That in fact, again, one of the most interesting practices, right? Avelis practices of the Gemara was what was called the Kos Shaltan Chumin, the Cup of Consolation. What was the Cup of Consolation? It was a, it was a big gulp, right? It was a, huge, it was a huge glass of wine. And the whole point of this was to go ahead and take the edge off the suffering. That, that's exactly what it was designed for. So the Gemara says, it's not surprising that the Avel does certain things during Avelos that maybe he doesn't do throughout the year. So normally during the year, he wants to eat meat, wants to drink wine, that's his business. During Avelos, we have to come to the this is a mitzvah for you to go ahead and eat this and drink this to lift him up a little bit. So it's quite possible, it's actually quite beautiful. So it's quite possible that although during the year you're not sitting on the Dargosh, maybe Dafka during Avelos, is when we put the Avel on the Dargosh, almost a way of saying what? We want your mazel to improve, right? You're going through a difficult time right now, but your mazel is going to improve. Rebos, I just point out, the Ran actually points out that this particular mission that we're quoting over here is actually talking about a Kohen Gadol who became an Avel. 
that it could very well be that for regular people, they would not sit on the Dargosh. It's perhaps a din in the coin Godel when he becomes an Avel. He's sitting on the Dargosh and everyone else is sitting on the floor comforting him. Okay. So the Gemara goes weiter. So the Gemara says, Ella Hakasha. So we'll say, so now we're going with our definition of Ula, right? Ula is telling us what's the Dargosh. So Ula is telling us ultimately again it is this Malach bed. This muzzle bed. So it says, Rather, here's the question. We'll listen to this. So there's a concept in Avelos of Kfiya Samita, which means that the halacha is you overturned the beds in the home. Then I will say, we do not observe contemporarily the din of Kfiya Samita. So the, the Geshe Chaim brings down the reason for this is as follows. Because it used to be their mattresses were made of straw. So when you sleep in straw, what happens over time? I don't know what happens over time when you sleep in straw, but, but what the Geshechayim brings down is that the straw takes the form of the body. Right? I guess it's like, what do they call those mattresses today? What is it? Tempur-Pedic, right? So, so see, life is a full circle. Life is a full circle, right? Today we pay extra money for this, right? Yeah, you times thinking about it was just the norm. So let's say, so what would happen? So you would sleep in the straw and take on the form. Part, so death is considered to be the erasure of the human form. Part of the way in which they gave expression to this is they would turn over the beds in the home. That's called fiasmita. So the Gemara says, so the Gemara says as follows. So, uh, fine. So, so the Gemara says, You don't have to overturn the dargosh. Rather, what do you do with the dargosh? You just stand it up. You stand it up. So the Gemara says, now, if you say that Dargosh was this Maloch bed or this Mazel bed, Vatanya we learned, Hakofa es mitaso, a novel has to overturn his bed, Velo mitaso, not only his bed, Sigmar says, Hukofa, Elo kol mitos Hukofa. Rather, you have to overturn all beds in the home. You have to overturn all the beds in the home. To which the Gemara says, it's a kasha. Halo kasha. It's not a contradiction. Why? So we'll say, so here's the shayla. If dargosh is just a regular bed, if dargosh is a regular bed, then that is what has to happen in the home of an avel. All the beds are overturned. Here we're saying a dargosh does not have to be overturned. It just has to be what? Stood up. Right? You stand up the dargosh. So what's going on over here? Halo kasha. Ahmed Beis. We'll say Ahmed Beis. So midi dahava amitam yuchedes lekelev. So we'll say, it's actually very interesting the Gemara says perhaps the Dargosh is considered to be like a bed that's not normally used for sleeping or for sitting, but rather is used to put stuff on. And as I was saying, sometimes you'd have a bed, a bed in your, a bed in your home, a bed in your home that wasn't used for sitting or for sleeping, but rather what would you do with it? You'd put your clothing on it. It's like a treadmill, right? You'd go, right, you'd, right, you go ahead, right, you put, you put your clothing, you put your clothing on it. So I'll say, so ultimately, again, now, there's actually an interesting halacha. The Gemara says, And I will say, now it makes much more sense. If you have a bed, if you have a bed that's not used for sleeping, or ultimately, again, for sitting, there's no din of overturning it, which I will say makes sense. In other words, if the whole din of kfiya samita is because the bed that is used for sitting or for sleeping ultimately takes on the form of the person. Therefore, death represents the erasure of the human form. Therefore, you have to overturn that bed. A bed that is not used for sitting or for sleeping would not require overturning. So that, again, an example of that is a bed you use for storage. You put stuff on it. 
Therefore, Allah could be that a dargosh, that was like, not that you would be using a dargosh to put stuff on, the Pasha's people didn't use that, but again, it's like a bed used for items, in that it's not used typically for sitting or sleeping. Such a bed like that does not require overturning. So the Gemara says, Elo ikasha akasha. So again, what we're trying to kind of do over here is, is, raise, is raise questions or point out contradictions towards Ula's definition. Remember again, let's go back to the Mishnah. What are we doing? What are we doing? Right? Person made a nether, konam mita alai. Right? I'm not allowed to get benefit from this bed. So what are we trying to figure out? So the Chum say, what's included in a bed? Dargosh. Oh, right, Rabbi Meir, Dargosh is not included. What's a Dargosh? So right now, the Gemara is working with Ula's definition. Dargosh is Arsa de Gado. This, again, this bed of Mazel, the bed of the Mala. So all we're doing is, we're trying to raise contradictions to that definition. Eli Kasha Akasha. The Gemara says, here's the contradiction. The sign, here we go. Very interesting. Dargosh, Matir Karbita, Vunofamela. So we'll say, this is still a din over here. In, in Avelos, in Avelos. So one of the interesting things by Avelos is, what you could also do is, instead of overturning the bed, what you could do literally again, Matir Karbitov, you go ahead and you untie the knots or untie the loops, and it falls by itself. As we'll say, the image of the bed that the Gemara is making is this, if you could imagine, you have a frame, right? In the frame, in the sides of the frame, you have holes. Then you have, if you can imagine, like a sheet or, or a piece of fabric. It could be leather, as we're going to see, or it could be cotton, or it could be flax, or it could be, it could be whatever you want. And what you would do is, the end, of, the end of the sheet, if you could imagine, would have strings. You would tie the strings into the holes of the sides of the frame, and that essentially, good, go your picture, right? And that essentially would go ahead and create, I guess what contemporarily would be called your box spring, right? Or your mattress, or your mattress. Good, and that's what you sleep on. So the Gemara says, Matir kabita for Avelos, you can simply go ahead, you can simply go ahead and untie the strings and the, we'll call it the box spring of the mattress, falls down by itself. That's the din in the Dargash. Now I will say, take a look, if you look, by the way, for just a moment, at Tosis. Tosis will say in the right-hand column, Tosis says, Dargash matir kabita va'ar nofel, karbitov lulos shemechar b'memito kshurim ba'ar. So I will say, the karbitov, these are the loops. These are the loops. Now, when he says loops, what he means is, you can imagine for a moment, you have a piece of leather, right? The big piece of leather. The, at the size of the leather, you have strings that come off it. You tie those strings into the sides of the bed frame. There are holes in the sides of the bed frame. You tie the strings there. So for Avelos, you can untie the strings, and the leather just falls to the ground. The Dagrish Arsa de Gada, and if the Dagrish is an Arsa de Gada, so the Gemara says, Karbitin mi islay, why would it have Karbitin? Others will say, why would it have Karbitin? Now, interestingly enough, there, in, in Talmudic bed technology, there are two different ways to make beds, right? One of the ways is the way we just described, where you take a piece of material, it has strings on the end, and you tie those strings into holes on the sides of the bed frame. Other way to do it is, you take a piece of material, you stretch it over the bed frame, right? Stretch it over the bed frame. Now, I will say, generally, generally, permanent beds were made the second way. Take a piece of material, spread it over the bed frame. More temporary beds were made in the first way, where you tie it into the sides of the bed frame. So we assume that a dargosh would be something of a more permanent nature. So why are you making the dargosh with tying these threads or tying these strings into the side of the bed frame? To which the Gemara says, 
So, so again, when Rabbi came along, he said, I asked this question to one of the Rabbanon. The man in question, his name was Rav Tachliva Bar Ma'arva, and he told me, and he, he often spent a lot of time in the shuk on the marketplace of the leather workers, and he said to me, my dargush, what is dargush? Arsa ditsala. So we'll say, interesting enough, what's a dargush? Dargush is arsa ditsala, what does that mean? Take a look at the run, right hand side, second line down from the top, arsa ditsala, mita shal ar. So I will say, he's actually giving a different definition. He says that a dargush is a bed made of leather. So again, we're giving a different definition. Maybe our son, excuse me, maybe, maybe Dargosh is not this Arsa de Guda, but rather it's this Arsa de Tzali, which we will say, as we described before, it's this bed that's made, you have a wooden frame. The wooden frame has holes in the sides. You take a piece of leather, take a piece of leather, strong piece of leather, it has strings coming off the sides in the corner. You tie the piece of leather into the bed frame itself, into the, into the holes of the side of the bed frame, and that's how you create the bed. As you create the bed, itmar ezuhumita bezu dargosh. What's a bed and what's a dargosh? Am Rabbi Yemya, mita misagin osa agavos, as I just mentioned before. A mita, you take the piece of material and you wrap it over the bed frame. Dargosh, misagin osa migufo. A dargosh, you take what we'll call the piece of material and you tie it into the bed frame. Right? So it's supposed to be wrapped over the bed frame, it's tied into the bed frame. Mesir is a kasha. We'll say if you have a wooden utensil, at what point in time is the wooden utensil? The kabotoma. Sahamita vaharisa mishiyashvum baor hadag. So we'll say a bed, arabita is a bed, arisa is a cradle. When you go ahead and you smear the wood with with fish oil. Or I should say with the skin of a fish. With the skin of a fish. So we'll say, in other words, if you are making a bed, when is the bed finished? When you smear it with fish skin. Okay, gives it a finish, gives it a coating. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. We just said, how do you make a bed? How do you make a bed? You take the material and you wrap it over the frame. If you're wrapping it over the frame, then what? Why do you have to smear the frame with fish oil, over the fish skin? After all, again, the frame is going to be covered by the material. To which the says, Rather, you're right. Both a bed and a dargash are made the same way in that what we'll call a piece of material is not wrapped over the frame, but rather what? It's, it's put inside of the frame and tied to holes inside the frame. So the Gemara says, so what's the difference? So it's very interesting. A mita, a mita, the actual strings that came off the sides of the material was tied into the frame itself. A dargash, the frame would have a loop that was attached to the frame and the, the strings on the end of the material would be tied into the loop. Right? So one was tied directly to the frame itself, the other, the dargosh, was tied to a loop inside of the frame. All right, interesting. So the Gemara says as follows. So just transitioning back to Abelos for just a second. If you have a bed, Abelos, this essentially is describing a canopy bed. So imagine you have a canopy bed, a bed with a pole at the foot, middle of the foot, and a pole at the middle of the head. And you would put a canopy over it, like a te- but, not, but not a canopy, but not a canopy, you know, with four poles, more like a tent canopy. 
a tent canopy. So once the says, now by a velos, what do you do by kfiya sanita for such a bed like that? So zokfin bedai, you don't have to turn it over because you can't turn it over because of the, I mean, you can, you can deconstruct the canopy. You're not obligated to deconstruct the canopy. Rather what? Just stand up that bed on the side, rendering it useless. Am Rabbi Yaakov bar Idi, Am Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi, Halacha, Kerab Shivan Gamliel. Both say ultimately again, Halacha follows Rabbi Shivan Gamliel, mainly that by Avelos, when it comes to a Dargosh, all you have to do is what? Untie, untie the strings of the Dargosh, and the mattress, so to speak, or the piece of material, just simply falls to the ground. That's why I've asked Avelos. So both say, Halacha so once again over here, we passkin like the Chachamim. Therefore, again, if you make a nether, not to get benefit from the bed, included in the bed is. A dargosh is a dargosh. The Gemara also accepts the, the opinion of Ula that ultimately, again, the, the real, the real definition, it seems to be, however, dargosh is used in a couple of different ways. Either dargosh could just mean a type of bed that's made by attaching the piece of fabric to a, a piece of fabric, ultimately, again, to the loop in the bed frame, or dargosh could ultimately mean a gag, a ga, um, what was the lotion of Ula? Uh, the type of nozzle. But good, either definition works, but also within our context. We'll stop over here. Shkoyach. All right, have a great day, everyone.